Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is award-winning director Roger Michelle. Welcome to the show, Roger. Thank you, Jan. Nice to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure having you on the show. You have directed some of my all-time favorite movies, and so I'm really uh, excited to have you on the show talking Thank about you. your brand-new movie, Blackbird, uh, starring some of my favorite actors and actresses, Susan Sarandon and Sam Neill and Kate Winslet. What a great cast. I know, it's incredible. I mean, everyone a winner. There's only eight eight people in this film, but they're all outstanding actors who give an incredible ensemble ensemble performance, I think. Yes, they do. I have to tell you, I started crying um, early on in the film. Um, from the moment I think Kate Winslet showed up, I just was nonstop tears. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. So it was like a, a 17 tissue movie for you. Yes, definitely. A 17 Phoenix <laughs> movie. Well, in a way, you know, in a way it, is a, it is like this, this film is like a, a machine that's designed to make grown men cry. You know, it is, it is a sad film, but also I'm glad to report that it's got lots of jokes in it. It's very funny. The yes. characters are very funny and there's lots of there's lots of joy in the film, I think. And and a kind of joy for life. And um although it's a film that's ostensibly about death, it's it's really, I think, a film about life, about learning how to be alive. I agree. I agree. And, you know, because so often we, when we're in the midst of things, we forget to live. And, yeah. um, and, 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 and when we're finally faced, uh, with our, our demise, which we all are going to have, um, we perhaps learn to live more in the moment, which is well, a great lesson to be learning anyhow, is to be present and, uh, and and, yeah. and to enjoy what we have. So yeah. Tell me how how this. You want to give the um, listeners a little idea of this film, um, what the what the synopsis of the movie is. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a it's all set over one weekend, and it's all set in one house, a beautiful house at the end of the road in the middle of nowhere by the sea somewhere somewhere on the east coast, and a family are gathering to witness. And to kind of to celebrate the voluntary death of the matriarch played by Susan Sarandon. So Susan Sarandon suffers from a, a disease. Uh, her character suffers from a disease for which there's no cure. And she has decided that she wants to end her own life. And all the, all the what's, what's good about the film, I think, one of the great things about the film, is that all the debates about whether she should or she shouldn't do this have happened. They've all happened before the film starts. So everyone in the family is kind of signed up to, yeah, this is the right thing to do for her. She's made her choice, and we're going to support her choice. And then what happens is that as the family all gather, as is the way with families, all kinds of skeletons start rattling out of cupboards um, and the weekend takes a few odd turns. Let's put it like that. Yes, yes. What I loved about it is, well, I don't want to, I mean, we kind of know what's going on, but you know that they recreate Christmas and um, Christmas is such a, a charged, uh, supercharged time for many people. Uh, you know, and, and fa- and fa- for families, you know, yeah. lots of things come up 
when you finally gather, you know, maybe it's the once, once a year that you get to gather and come together and, you know, the holidays can bring all kinds of things up. And I love that this film does exactly that <laughs> with Christmas. Yeah, as I mean, I think, I think during um, COVID, probably a lot of families have been experiencing both the, both the wonder and bliss of being locked up together and also the kind of agony and the problems. You know, we all know that all kinds of terrible things happen over the Christmas holidays because families are thrown together for three or four days without any remission or without any relief from each other. Um, families are difficult, aren't they? Families are the source of all our, all all life, but also um, a lot of, uh, most families have tensions and complications within them, and this family is no exception. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Kate Winslet, I, uh, well, I just adore her, too, um, gives a wonderful performance here. How did you attract this cast? How did you, who, who came on board first? Um, and how did, because you've got, I mean, Sam Neill and Susan Sarandon and Kate Winslet and the rest of the cast, uh, Leslie, uh, Lindsay Duncan. I mean, they're all just absolutely wonderful. And here they are, again, like a family thrown together <laughs> for, for the shooting of this film. How, how did that all work and who did you attract first? Well, I got Kate first. Kate was the first one to jump on board. And it's, it's great if you're making a film and you get Kate Winslet on board first. That yes. really helps you attract, you know, the people who, people around her. And um, it was actually one of the easiest films I've ever cast. People were really keen to do it. I think the prospect of working on such an ensemble piece, like almost like a chamber piece, um, in one location um, so intensely, was was an attractive prospect. And uh, it, cer- it certainly was like that. You know, when we were shooting the film, we all lived within half a mile or so of, of that house. Um, we weren't doing anything else at, at weekends. The, the cast were all um, sort of living at, out of each other's pockets, and we became very, very close, almost like a sort of hostage situation. It's a bit like we all were suffering from Stockholm syndrome, um, <laughs> and we were also able to shoot the film more or less in story order, which made it um, a much more I don't know. Most films you have to shoot out of order. You end up shooting the the climax in the first week, and because of the availabilities of the actors or the availabilities of the locations. So there's something great about being able to start this film shooting literally the very first shot of the film, and um, I think everyone benefited benefited from that. Oh, I think so too, probably. And the house is such a big um, aspect of this film. How, how did you find it? Because the home is beautiful. Um, uh, how did you find the, the, the well, home lo- that you shot this film in? I looked, I looked everywhere. And in fact, Kate Winslet suggested that this place existed quite close to where she lives. And I thought, oh, well, that's that. You know, she's only saying that so she doesn't have to leave home during the shoot. But eventually I did <laughs> go and see this place and she was right. It was absolutely extraordinary. And it is sort of like another character in the film. The nice character. Is. Yeah. It is. It's a beautiful home. It really is a beautiful home. Um so it was shot this was shot in England then? It was, yeah. It was in the south. The south of England. 
just gorgeous, just gorgeous. So how did, um, so with this cast that worked so well, what was the most difficult part of shooting this film? Because you did shoot it chronologically and, um, and and almost everybody's in almost every scene too. Yeah, Yeah, which is another unique component, I think, of the film. I think the hardest thing was stopping people laughing, actually. There was so much oh, laughter really? on set. They, they, they were such a spirited bunch of actors, and they absolutely fell for each other. But by the end of the film, we all got um, tattoos of a blackbird. Did you know that? Oh, they, no, all, I did not know that. All the cast and myself. Uh, this, is, this was Kate's idea. Susan, Susan threw a little drinks party on the last day of the shoot, and Kate arranged for a tattooist to arrive, so we all got um, tiny tats of a blackbird. Uh, it's the only tat I've ever had in my life, let alone a tat of any of the films I've ever directed. <laughs> so I've, we're all we're all proud bearers of this um, <laughs> little squiggle on us, somewhere on our on our on our beings. Yeah, I was going to ask you, where is yours? Well, Where's your is, blackbird? Uh, well, I, I I can tell you without embarrassment because mine is on the inside of my um, forearm. Uh, but I, I I wouldn't like to say where everyone else is, it has landed. <laughs> oh, wonderful. What's the, for you, what was the meaning of the title of this film, Blackbird? Well, that, that, that kind of evolved by accident. At one stage, there was a, um, the Beatles song was in the film. The Paul McCartney Blackbird song was in the film. And then we mm-hmm. decided to cut out the... Uh, the song, but the t- we left the title as a temporary title. And then during the during the shoot, we kept trying to think of the the right title for the film. And in fact, we had a competition for the cast and crew. Where the prize was a case of champagne for the best title, and thousands of entries arrived anonymously, and none of them seemed to be quite as good as Blackbird. So, in the end, it felt like the, the the title kind of descended upon the film, and it now, to me, seems to represent the spirit of Susan's character. I mean, there mm-hmm. are blackbirds that you see flying in the film, and there's there's blackbird song that you hear in the film, and the very last moment of the film, when. Sam has left the, left the shot and you're just left with this shot of the house and you hear this um, blackbird singing in the dead of night. Mm-hmm. It seems to represent the spirit of Susan's character. It's, it's, yeah, that's, how we, yeah. that's how we ended up with that title. It is beautifully shot too. Uh, the 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 cinematography I thought was really wonderful. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, that's my brilliant and long term collaborator, Mike Ely, and he was faced with this um, house filled with glass. You know, practically every everywhere you look, there's mm-hmm. glass, and we didn't want to shoot it day for night or we wanted to shoot it for real so we used as much available light as possible and at night time those big plate glass windows just turn into mirrors 
so that presented all kinds of problems, which Mike was very brilliant at avoiding. Um, and like with any film, you know, I wanted to have particular rules about the way in which I shot it. So on this occasion, there's hardly any camera movement. In fact, I, don't, there's, I think there's one camera move within the first hour of the film. I wanted it to be quite compositional and static and let the actors come and go in front of the frame. Um, and it obviously involved staging these scenes with eight actors quite carefully. Um, I wanted it to feel democratic. I didn't want it to feel like it was one of one person's story. It was kind of all of their story. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how we approached it. Well, it's, it's beautifully done in that respect too. And also I loved the score, um, by yeah. Peter Gregson. Yeah. Um, the use of the, the cello in, in this is just, just perfect, you know, for the mood uh, of the great. film. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful score. Absolutely. Amazing. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I did you have you have you worked with him in the past? No, I didn't. I didn't know Peter, and I started um, just laying up some of his recordings against an early cut of the film, um, and um, thought they worked so well that I then arranged to meet Peter and and um, eventually asked him to to do the whole score. I mean, he, he's a very accomplished celloist himself. Mm -hmm. He's uh, a, a, a composer of, of many things, but also a kind of arranger of, particularly of Bach, which he rearranges in the most thrilling ways. And he's constantly off around the world touring and performing, and, um, and he's started to do films. You know, I think he's exceptionally talented. Yes, yes. And as I said, it, it just adds so beautifully to the mood of this film. Um, this movie premiered last year at the Toronto Film yeah. Festival. And when it premiered, you had something that happened during the premiere. Can you talk oh a little bit about God. that? That was terrible. <laughs> I can hardly even bear to mention it. So that we, we premiered that this, the world premiere of the film, this vast theatre in Toronto. I can't remember the name of the theatre, I think it's like a, over a thousand seats. And it was playing beautifully and everyone was laughing and crying in equal measure in exactly the way that you would want. All the, all the, well, a huge amount of the cast was there. And then about five minutes before the end of the film, somebody in the front started to faint or to have some kind of seizure or I don't know. And, um, I was aware of a, some kind of kerfuffle. People sort of fanning him and um, people starting to get up and people starting to call for a doctor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they've, they, they've, they stopped the film and they brought the lights up. And this unfortunate person, uh, whoever he or she was, um, sort of eventually, actually, they got to their feet and walked out surrounded by um, sort of friends. And by then, you know, the spirit of the film, can you imagine the spirit of the film mm -hmm. down the down the toilet by then? And so we, then the lights went down and we watched 
the last five minutes of the film. I mean, it was so frustrating and so annoying. I mean, and bizarrely, it's happened to me recently in the theatre. I mean, I've, I, I'm a theatre director as well, and it happened to me recently. Um, uh, I did a play at the National Theatre where somebody was very ill in the last five minutes of a, of a, of a play. Oh, no. Um, so it's, it, I just want them to either die quietly and stay in their seats <laughs> or, or just shut up for another five minutes. <laughs> hold their breath. Yeah, nothing worse than, you know, to have the mood of your film, especially this kind of a film where, you know, to have the whole mood broken up oh, by that experience. Awful, awful. Utterly, utterly <laughs> appalling. So now, yeah, now this film is coming out. So where can people see Blackbird? Well, I don't have the list in front of me, but I know it's in theaters. It's in selected theaters in uh, various cities across the u.s and it's on um it's on vod okay, i don't great. i don't have all the i don't have all the details before me but i think it's going to be widely available from the 18th great wonderful yes great now you just uh, we're going to change the subject a little bit you have another new film coming out that I just do. premiered at the yeah. venice film festival the yeah. duke that's right. Starring the incomparable Helen Mirren and um, Jim Broadbent, who I love yeah. and adore, and Matthew Good, who I also love and adore. Oh, so yes. Yeah. Great cast. So, yeah. can you, do you want to talk about that? And also, did you go to the Venice Film Festival? Um, I did. I, I was there for the weekend. I just came back on on, on Monday. Uh, yeah. So, how was that? To be, oh, it's absolutely amazing to be in Venice. I mean, it, yes, it I love brief, briefly suggested that things could get back to normal. I mean, we watched the films in these huge theatres, which were only allowed to be half full, but that's still five or 600 people. So that's pretty exciting. It's the first time I'd seen my film, The Duke, with an audience of any sort. I'd only seen it in cutting rooms or, or very small viewing theatres before. And Venice was very well organised. I mean, you, you had your temperature taken about 20 times a day. There were checks everywhere. Um, but there was lots of human contact. You know, I, I, had, I had hundreds of meetings with journalists and it just felt almost like normal. And that was so thrilling, as well as being in Venice, which is always nice. Yes, yes. So maybe I mean they're very they're very brave to have and industrious actually to have put their festival on. All the other festivals this year have either been cancelled or become virtual. Right. So right. good for them. Good for them. It's it's very hard. I know TIFF Toronto Film Festival is starting, I believe, today, and uh, you know they're doing virtual. I think they're also doing um, in person too in Toronto. But uh, yeah, it's so. I, I think so. Yeah, for you know, yeah, I believe so that they are. Because um, yes, I did read that they're doing mask. Originally, they were saying mask would be optional, and now they came out. I think yesterday or the day before, saying now they're they're mandatory that you must wear a mask in the theater and everything. Yeah, so, sure. Um, so they I are. 
doing that. That was definitely the same in Venice. Everyone was wearing masks the whole time. Did they do social distancing because of the, obviously, because there's less, because of the seating in the theaters. But when you said you also interviewed with the press, was everybody practicing social distancing doing that? Yes, they were. Everyone was practicing social distancing. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, it's hard, isn't it? It is. I think probably, I think it was, it was hard to maintain social distancing uh, for everybody at all times is probably what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is difficult even you know for for all of us and you know not going to film festivals which i adore going to yeah. well your duke has been uh critically uh acclaimed i mean people are yeah. getting really yeah. really good preliminary reviews for the duke so i'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that do you know when that might be released not a clue not okay. a clue <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean i just know that they'll wait until they think they can make some money out of it they're not yeah. going to put they're not going to put it out into theaters where you can only have 30 20 or 30 percent of the house. I know so, you're now theaters in Europe are open have opened up before many of the theaters in the states have. Sort of, not really. I mean, it's it's still very early days here, and it's certainly in England. I don't know what it's like abroad. Um, I think I think um, Tenet did reasonably well here. Yeah, that's the film that seems to be the kind of Rosetta Stone of the you know the Renaissance of cinema going. So let's let's hope that that's that's going to work. But um, a little film like Blackbird, it, I don't think. Um, it's going to be easy for people to get out and see art film for a while. No, no. Uh, particularly if, if it's if it's a, the sort of film that might attract a slightly older audience like Blackbird. Yes, they're going to they're going to be more fearful of leaving the house. So it's great that it's going to be easily accessible on VOD, and you know, hopefully, it'll get a, a, a good audience that way. Oh, it's one that everybody should be seeking out. You know, sometimes as I said to people, when I'm feeling down, I want to go. Wa- I want to watch a sad movie. And they go, well, yeah. why? Because <laughs> yeah. I just want to get all the tears out. You yeah. know, and, uh, you know, just yeah. right. Yes, it's very yeah. cathartic. You know, yeah. it truly is. Uh, but this movie is a gem. I mean, it's a great cast, uh, a, a really interesting story. I mean, too, uh, uh, the thought of, you know, again, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not giving anything away of, of making that decision uh, to end your life with dignity rather than uh, allowing uh, this debilitating disease to take over. Uh, I thought that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that uh, we all need to continue to have. I mean, it's yeah. one that's out there. Yeah. But I think it's someone that's important, you know, in today's world, even with everything that's going on, you know, to have that discussion. I mean, into, uh, for all of us to have that choice, I believe. Well, listen, it's, it's not a film that's politically polemical. It's not saying instantly go out and demand that euthanasia no. is legalized no. in your state. But it's very hard to come out of the film not thinking that what she's done is rather a glorious thing and rather rather a sort of rather a, the kind of it, it's it, euthanasia means good death and I think her death is a good death mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's beautifully done I mean it's beautifully done I mean so many people are taken away especially now with COVID you know and people can't have their family members in the hospital with them and how I difficult know. that yeah, is exactly. you know it's awful. And, uh, you know, to have these nurses and doctors having to be there and being the support system um, for the family. So this movie brings out the beauty of being able to choose um, to how you want to die with dignity. So it's a, it's a beautifully done film, and I do hope people uh, seek it out for sure. Um, and as I said, you've directed some of my favorite movies. I just happened to watch Morning Glory again the other day. Uh. I haven't seen it. 
10 years and I went and it's about oh, there, <laughs> oh, there you nice. were and uh, and and Notting Hill is uh, it's one that I own and that I have to watch at least once a year um it's one of my oh, all-time favorite movies too. so you yeah you you've directed some amazing uh, movies how has this are you do you have anything else after the duke that you're working on I just I mean yeah there's things that I'm looking at and reading and there's something I'm writing but I don't know when I'll you know I don't know when people will start really getting back into making movies I mean maybe something in the spring I don't know it's hard to know hopefully hopefully well Roger thank you so much for being on the show it's been a pleasure and I look forward to having you back on and everyone seek out the blackbird on VOD thank you very much thanks a lot you're very welcome thank you thank you all for listening Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.